this song really fights against uh, what so many of us try to fight against, and that's apathy. It's being apathetic when it comes to the things of the Lord. And it's just, frankly, hard to do that by ourselves. So we come to community and we worship together. And we want something to stir in us. We want an affection to stir in us. But then we go back on Monday and it's apathy again. Just turn me on this one. I'm going to shut this one off. And so what we do is we come in a place like this and we sing this. Like, start a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. And even if you can sing that with faith, and you go, I don't know how to start that fire, but I, I believe God can start that fire. You just sing that. It, it can stir something in you. One of the reasons lyrics are repetitive is because when you first sing it, you don't believe it, okay? It's like, it's natural. And, and so we repeat it, and we realize, no, this is true, and this is right. Before you know it, you realize, no, this is true, and this is right. This does change things. And it does have the power to get your posture and your heart open to receive the things of the Lord. So let's just sing that chorus again. Can you do that? Um, however you want to do that. But you're going to be like, we already sang this at home. But maybe this time we believe it, okay? Just that chorus, set a fire down in my soul. Let's sing that. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. Yes, I want more of you, God. So set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. Yes, I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul. someone who can be at the center of our lives. For others, it's, it's been really just a long time. So many things have our attention. But together we ask, what would happen if you had our attention tonight, God? What would happen if you did start a fire in our soul and we couldn't contain it, we couldn't control it? What would happen? What would our life look like? I pray that that type of vision from your Holy Spirit seated. Welcome. We're so glad that you're here. We're actually, um, we're going to take up an offering during this time and fill, fill out connect cards. So here's what I want you to do. In front of the seat back in front of you, this may be your first time or this may be you've been here for a long time. Whatever time it is for you, can you just reach to the seat back in front of you and grab a connect card and just fill it out. So when they pass around the buckets, you can drop it in there, and if you have an offering, uh, tithes and offerings, you can give in the bucket. You can um, put money in there, and, and here's why we do that. We say we want to partner with the things that God's doing. Can you put up there the slide, the giving slide that shows the different ways that people can give if they'd like to? You can give online, discoverdenver.church/give, and you can text in. I'm, uh, I, I think it's awesome. You can text in a way to give, and uh, you just have to set that up for them. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for us. 
And if you can write on that Connect card, you can be obedient to what the Lord's asking you to give. And then we're going to continue. We're doing a series called the Doubters Club, the series. Doubters Club, the series. Last week, we talked about our science and the Bible compatible. This week, we're talking about a very, very interesting topic, which we'll get to after the video. Okay, so let me pray for us, and then we'll take offering, watch the video, and then we'll keep continue with service. I thank you, God, for being so generous to us. And Lord, help us to be brave in our giving. Help us to be brave in filling out a card of saying, I need prayer for certain things. We are a community. We cannot do life alone. You made us in your image in this way. And so we will honor that today in our generosity and in the way we connect. In Jesus' name, amen. Watch the video. the stuff that I would want to talk about wouldn't really be good at church. You know? But if you could ask about anything, what would you ask? Um, I don't know, just like, why does God seem so messed up in the Bible? And like killing all the time. And Christians too. Seems like there's lots of crazy stuff Christians do, you know? Like we definitely never talk about that. Or maybe, I don't know, other religions might actually be right too, or better than ours. Like, maybe there's lots of ways to get to God. I don't know. So, see, it's not really super great questions for church. Totally, totally. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I just, I mean, I have some of the same questions too, actually. I, they're good questions. Actually, a lot of older people at the church have the same ones. They just don't talk about it. You can always ask me any question you want, okay? If you're ever sitting there thinking, can I ask that? The answer is yes. You can ask that, okay? Okay. All right, I wanna echo what he said on the video. If you're ever thinking, can I ask that? The answer is yes, you can ask that. And they said, okay, back and forth a few times. But I'm gonna imagine you saying, okay, if there's ever a question you can ask, uh, that you're thinking and you go, can I ask that in church? Yes, you can ask that. In fact, I think that the more you wrestle with your faith, the closer you just might get to God. And maybe if you feel far away from God, it's because you've been faking it and you haven't been pressing into the faith like you normally do with all of the rest of life. The people that you choose to be committed to in the face of uncertainty, those are the people you have the deepest relationship with. And if you do this with God, you commit in the face of uncertainty. You go, I have questions and uncertainty and doubts, and I have all this, but I'm committing to walking this out, seeing what this looks like. Then you just might actually have a deeper relationship with God than you've ever had before. When Lisa and I got married, there is no way for me to 100% make sure that this was going to work out. Now, did we think it's, yeah, there, we thought, but there's no way for me to 100% make sure, be 100% certain. So what we did based on what we know about each other, is we committed in the face of uncertainty. And that's a daily choice, to commit in the face of uncertainty. It is not different with your relationship with God. It is the same. So what we're talking about tonight is this question that actually a lot of culture is asking. And I, I think it's real fun watching people on Facebook and what they say whenever a question like this comes up. The question is, would God go green? Okay, this is the question. Can you throw it up there? Would God go green? Which another way to ask that is, would God, should Christians be an environmentalist? Okay? Would God go green? Now here's what's really fascinating about this. 
half of you think about this regularly, the other half of you don't ever think about it, okay? But I do think, I, I want to tell you this, I think it's really important to talk about. I, I don't just think it's really important. I think that it's in the Bible through and through how we interact with God's creation. And I think if you're not asking the question, the world's asking the question. And by the time we're done, I think you'll realize this question, would God go green, has some impact on the way that you live and on what you do tomorrow. Now, you may say it, recycle or non-recycle, whatever. That, those are good steps. But we're talking at a deeper level of what it means to honor God in the way he set things up in the world. So let's, uh, let's pray. Father, we want to have fun talking about this, but we want your spirit to seriously drive home what you are saying in your word. So we just pray for both those things, for levity and for conviction. And we ask, Lord, as we so often do ask, calm storms that need to be calmed. That it's been a really, really long year already for people, just 13 days in, and it's been hard calm those storms. And Lord, start storms that need to be started of people that um, live in a um, live in the mode of safety without walking on the water with you. We pray that you would teach us how to do all things that honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the things about our church that's really interesting is this. We have um, a lot of artists in the church, and, and in this area, actually, we have a lot, like you have First Friday on Tennyson Street, you have well, there's first Fridays that go on all over dinner. We just have a lot of artists in our church. So I just want to talk to you about why an artist creates, okay? Why does an artist create? And it's going to lead us into maybe we can understand a little bit more about God's creation and why it is set up the way that it is. Okay, so let's show that first picture. This is, uh, you, you should know this is the Mona Lisa, okay? If you've never seen that picture before, I don't know where you've been, but this is a very famous painting. The Mona Lisa tells you so much about the creator, not God the creator, not um, Big C creator, about Leonardo da Vinci, about the person who painted the Mona Lisa. Now, here's what's interesting about this. Leonardo da Vinci was one of the first people to paint perspective the way that perspective is in that, that you have a close-up of this woman, and then you have further away, you can see perspective. And what you'll find, too, in this image is actually she's not wearing the type of formal attire that should be worn in these sorts of paintings. So if you've ever wondered, like me, why is the Mona Lisa so popular? Like, I, I don't, I don't, and maybe you're like, no, no, it's like the best art ever. Okay, but if you've ever thought, why is it? It's a painting of a lady with her hands folded. Well, the reason is, is because it actually tells you so much about the artist. And what it tells you is this, and this is what a lot of uh, people who study this painting have said. They say, this tells us something that we know when we read about da Vinci, that he didn't want to be contained in a box and he thought that their social norms should be broken. And so this is why she's dressed the way that she is and this is why there's perspective, is that what you see right in front of you, there's always perspective to more. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? Not that I know that, but that now you know that and that we've learned from the painting a little bit about the artist. You follow me? Okay, let's put another famous painting up. This is Starry Night. Starry Night by Van Gogh. Now, Starry Night is a beautiful painting. This is one I look at, and I'm a little bit more intrigued. I look at this and go, I can... Now, let me just say this. If you're an artist, I deeply appreciate your work, but I need you to help me interpret, okay? But this one I look at, and I go, this is gorgeous, the colors and all this. And, and then when you read about Starry Night, 
When you read about why Van Gogh painted this, it was because depression, he was always dealing with depression and anxiety and his emotions really dictated how he lived life and his relationships. And so the swirls in the sky represent that. The stability of the stars and the colors, the contrasting colors represent the community and the stability that Van Gogh found in community even in the midst of a storm inside a starry night. The painting taught you more about the artist. It's not just about the artist showing off. It's a lot about the artist showing up, okay? So whenever you see something like this, let's go to the last one, The Great Wave by Hukasau. If, I don't know if you've seen this, and maybe you haven't seen this in a painting, but there are a lot of people who have this actually whenever it comes to like tattoos or whenever it comes to cups. I've seen this actually on a lot of mugs. This one, um, they say that it's hard to pinpoint why exactly this was painted. Today, it's being used in a lot of different ways on dresses, on tattoos, and it says that Hukasau's grandson forced him to enter poverty by gambling all of Hukasau's money away. He struggled with the grief he felt for his wife who had passed away, and a lot of people think that this represents the turmoil of waves overcoming and overpowering certain boats, and those boats would be relationships in his life. Isn't this fascinating? Just by studying what was created, you're studying a lot about the one who created it, okay? It's really interesting. Kristen Abbott in our church, she does a lot of painting. If you're not following her on Instagram, it's really fascinating to watch how she paints. She is one of our favorite artists, and one of the most intriguing things is when you know Kristen, you understand why she paints what she paints. And whenever you study what she paints, you start to know Kristen a little bit more. And here, here's why I'm saying all this. These artists aren't showing off. They're showing up. Does that make sense? It's an extension of who they are. They, they are actually, in their paintings, they're showing up in the world. This is what Psalm 19.1 said. The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies the work of his hands. It's as if God's not doing all this to show off. You know, I know that for some of you, you're like, man, God's just showing off. Maybe, maybe in a way, he does this to draw you in and woo you in, but I think he's showing up. I think there's a lot of things about nature, and Romans even tells us there are some invisible qualities about God that are made known and made manifest through the way that creation is. And there are things about nature. It's, it's, it's as if we look at all the artists in the world, and we go, there. look, I can understand more about them. I want to read more about them. And we look at nature and we go, ah, it's just nature. We look at environmental issues and we go, it's just environmental issues. It's just trash. It's just plastic. It's just, when in reality, what if God is showing up? What if this is an extension of who he is and the way he created everything is to testify to who he is? And when we don't care about environmental issues and we just write it off as is no big deal, we might be writing off the representation God has in the world in some way, shape, or form. You follow me? He's showing up. So this is, uh, when, when I read Psalm 119, it's not just Psalm 119, it's like a whole lot of Psalms, and it's a whole lot of Scripture that you'll see. It's as if God is telling us, it's not just glorifying Him. He's the artist. You live in a museum. This whole world's a museum, and one of the most magnificent things that's ever been created is you. 
We talked about this last week is that actually the song of creation is singing to God when he says, it is good, I enjoy this. And for us to sing that song back, we need Jesus. One of the, the best creations ever made is you, is you. But that does not diminish the impact that all creation has. Romans, the book of Romans tells us that all creation is waiting, awaiting the arrival of the sons of man, the redemption of the sons of man. That it's as if all creation is going, I know when redemption happens. I know when all men and all women are starting to walk in peace with one another and with God through what Jesus has done. When we walk in peace, this deep amount of peace, something happens in the world, there's harmony again. This is the way things should be. Uh, one, I forget who it was. I, I don't know if it was Winston Churchill or what, but someone said the reason that dogs bark and growl at us so much is because they know we've broken things. We've broken the world. We're not in right relationship with creation. When you look around at creation and you go walking and hiking and, and you see the environment around you, you're seeing how God is showing up in the world. So let me just put it this way. This is how I think God sh has showed up in a simple sentence. I think God is showing up as a good father who creates a safe and beneficial home for his children. I think God is showing up this way. One of the most fundamental, the most fundamental need for any child is actually to live in a safe environment. The child needs to know if I'm thirsty, there needs to be a drink to satisfy my thirst. If I'm hungry, there needs to be milk or solid food to satisfy. The child needs to know if I'm tired, there needs to be a pillow I can lay my head on. The child needs to know when the elements are outside raging against the house that they're going to be kept safe. When they hear thunder, they don't know they're going to be safe. And you may have to fake it if you're scared of thunder, but the child needs to know they're going to be safe. The child needs to know this is the most fundamental need of any child in any culture across all history is to know this. So if it's true that the people who believe in Jesus and have a relationship with God are children of God, this is true, then what that would mean is that we would expect God to do the same. That he's created a place that's safe. He's created an environment that's a home. He's created this for us. The, all of creation, I mean, listen, you've probably heard some of these stats, but I just want you to wrap your mind around it. The way that some scientists are putting it now is we're lucky, okay? That we're lucky the way that things have kind of coincidentally come into effect and can, sur and can support life. And, and I'd, I'd like to just, if that's you, I would like to challenge you to think in a different category, outside of luck, and maybe inside the category of there is someone who cares for this creation, a father who has built a house. And so this is what some of you may know, 75% of the earth is water. This means that we are like, we have enough hydration for the land to produce vegetation. We know that the earth is actually the atmosphere that we live in protects us from some really harmful UV, UV rays. It doesn't mean you shouldn't wear sunscreen, okay? But it protects us from some really harmful ones, and it traps in the heat that comes up from the earth to keep us warm. We know that the axis that the earth is tilted on, this axis is precise, that if we were one degree closer to the sun, we would all burn up. And if we were one degree further from the sun, we would all freeze to death. It is precise. The gravitational pull from the moon is precise. We also know that we have really good uh, neighbors, okay? I, I don't know if you thought that uh, Jupiter was just some other planet out there, but Jupiter is actually in place shielding us from debris in space. And scientists say 
Jupiter wasn't there, we would have 10,000 the amount of comets and asteroids and debris that would come towards the earth. We have really good neighbors, okay? It's like a home. It's as if God's created a home for his kids. It's what a loving father does. He's showing up in the world. He's showing up. When we don't care about the environment, and we don't care about the way that he's shown up, we don't care about the atmosphere, we don't care about these things, what, what that does is it's as if a kid is running wild in a house, not caring about what's been set before them. So here's my question to you. God isn't just showing off, he's showing up. It's what creators do. If you're an artist, that's what you do. My question to you is, do you show up as a child of God in the home that he's provided for you? Is this how you show up? If you came to our house, when it, 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 if we have, sometimes we'll have pie with the pastor over to our house, or sometimes when our meetup comes over. What you may not know, people who come to our meetup, okay, when you walk in and you go, and maybe you're lying, but we so appreciate it if you go, it's so clean in here, it's so nice, or it smells so good, or the candles, whatever. It was not that way. And, and in fact, if you text me and you say, is it okay if I come over early, I'm intentionally not reading that text because, because then I can say, oh, I'm just now reading this all the way through. Okay, because we need every single second to get it clean. Our kids in our house, we tell them this. We tell them there's people coming over. Actually, they'll tell us that if, if we say it's time to clean, they'll go, who's coming over? Okay, so we, they know they're, they're part of the house. So the kids, we're trying to teach them how to do dishes. It is a mess. Now, we, we think they'll learn at some point in their life. We don't, we don't know. But it is a total mess. I try to teach Piper how to do laundry. And uh, I'm colorblind, and she's six. And so together, we've shrunk in a few things. We're trying to teach them how to do chores. Because here's what you do. When you're part of the family and you live in a house, you do chores. You make sure the place is clean. Can you imagine the house that you live in or the apartment that you live in or the roommate that you have, can you imagine if all that happened was just total mess and total chaos and they did not care? Let's say that there's holes in the windows and they're like, I don't know, that's just the way it is. Um, we're we're going to have to deal with it, maybe put some tape over it. I don't know. And you're like, no, let's call, let's call someone that fixes windows. And they go, no, we don't need to do that. It's no big deal. It's not our apartment. It's not our house. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if they just left forgive me, Lisa, if they left their clothes around like the bed all the time and, but, but they didn't care. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the dishes just piling up and all stuff and you're like, yes, yes, that's my roommate. That's my roommate. And if you go, oh, that'd be terrible. It might be you, okay? If you, if you haven't experienced that before, I would just encourage you not to do that. What I'm saying is this, all the time, in every setting that you're in, if you call that place home, you clean you take care of, you have rule over, you have dominion in. If it's true that we have a good father who's created a good home, a safe home for his children, then what about when you walk by things like this? Can you show that picture of just the trash? This is in the Pacific Ocean. This is plastic that is collecting in the Pacific Ocean. When you see this, does your heart drop and you think, Lord, are we taking care of the home God's given us? Or do you think, hmm, like, I, I, good thing the Pacific Ocean's huge, right? Or, or what about just the, just the um, picture of trash in the park? Can you show us that picture? Sometimes we walk by things like this, and we don't notice, and what we think is it smells over there, and it's really destructive over there. And what you may not know is this is your home. There are ways to take care of your home. 
This is why reading Genesis 1, 27 through 30 is really powerful. Well, I'm going to read that again. Okay? Genesis 1, 27 through 30. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. So I just want you to know, God is saying, I give you this. I give these things to you. I give you all these things. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. He's saying, I, I give you authority and dominion Hey, you have some chores to do. I give these things to you. So if, it's kind of like the old phrase, use it, don't abuse it, right? Like if you're abusing the authority that God's given you, this is a problem. This is a major problem. And if you're using it in a loving way, caring about the way that animals are treated and caring about the way that things are disposed of and caring about, caring about this, well, that, that's, being, that's, being in a, that's being a good steward. Here's the problem that when it comes to environmentalism, here's what happens. I know some people, if you hear this word, you go, hoorah, that's like the politic that I'm behind, environmentalism. And the other ones go, no, you hippie, why are you talking about environmentalism from the stage? Here, here's what I'd say. The, as you've known, as we've talked about in church before, the kingdom of God is a whole different kingdom. It's a whole different party. It's a whole different thing, okay? It's not in a niece or a night... Uh, uh, neat and nice box that's made by humans. No, it's a whole different thing. Here's the two things, the two categories that we typically operate in. So even if you don't think about this consciously, here's what happens. One is consumerism, that you say the, the world is there for me to consume and I will consume it as much as I want. And, and you say, this is, this is how we live, which uh, I just watched a TED Talks that said one of the major issues that we'll face in 2050 is that the population will grow to about 9 billion people, okay? Over a generation, we're talking adding 2 billion people, and we will consume at least three times the resources we consume, okay? Consumerism, this is a mindset of, if it's there, I consume it. It's for me, I don't know how it gets disposed of, or, or what it does to the environment, or none of that matters to me, consumerism. The other side, over here, would be pantheism. Pantheism would be that God is in everything, okay? That God is in the tree, and that God is in the leaves. And so you go, I can't, I can't eat a green smoothie. I can't do that in the morning, because, like, I'll be eating a little bit of God. You know what I mean? Like, I, it's just weird. I can't, it's pantheism. I remember uh, with Lisa's grandpa, before he passed away, we all went to go see Avatar, and we saw Avatar in 3D. Now, her grandpa was in his 80s, I believe, and he's seeing 3D glasses, and I'm looking at this 80-something-year-old man just like this. And a 3D movie, which Avatar is the prettiest 3D movie you could probably ever see. And he's just going, and, and popcorn, you know, like just watching. And I just remember this, my favorite memory of Grandpa. And when we walked out, he was a theology nerd. And when we walked out of the theater, he said, I love the movie. Do you know the only th problem with it? And I said, what, what, what? And he said, you don't know it? And I said, pantheism? He goes, that's right, pantheism. And then he went on a tangent about how God is not in everything, but he has created all things and called it good. 
So it's not consumerism, it's not pantheism, it's a whole different category. And the category that we work in is can be summarized in one word, and that's steward. It's steward. You're a steward. You are to rule. It, it even says, this is in chapter 1, what we just read, Genesis 2.15 says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Now, here's what's fascinating. The words for work and care are very important. In the Hebrew, work is translated to serve, and care is translated to worship. Uh, I know if you're thinking, like, I thought you said we don't worship the earth. Like, God's not everything. That's not what it's saying here. What it's saying is that when you serve, when you take care of, when you care about these sort of issues— it's an act of worship to God. It's an act of respect to God. That the idea of being a steward is actually the main idea of how we interact with creation. It's fascinating. Even when Jesus is walking and he sees a fig tree, and the fig tree isn't producing what it's supposed to be producing, and he curses the fig tree, a lot of commentators say the reason he does this is because it wasn't doing what it was made to do. It was out of order. So the question for us is, have you ever considered your relationship with God's creation as a steward? Not as just a consumer, not as one who worships creation, but as a steward. You steward correctly and you steward rightly. The idea of ruling and having dominion in the New Testament is very different. The idea of rule and dominion is not to abuse things with power, it's actually to serve. It's to serve this creation. It's a beautiful thing if you have a garden and you're able to tend to the garden really well and the fruits and the vegetables and whatever you're growing, you can tend to this really well and you can watch it grow. And what you have to do is you have to take care of your garden and you have to protect it from the elements. It's as if what's growing matters. And whenever you go to your garden and you pluck fruit or you, or you pull um, vegetation from your garden, you're, you're acknowledging the hard work that's gone into this. There's something so beautiful about that that's not worshiping the earth at all no it's it's thanking god and an act of care and worship to him a thank you that the earth is able to produce this sort of vegetation and it's not just being a consumer because you have in your mind i only have four carrots okay i can't make i can't make like something that requires six carrots right? i only have four carrots this has to last me there's this idea that you are stewarding what resources have been given to you even in our house, when we recycle, just as a basic example, when we recycle, recycling feels like a pain sometimes because, you know, you can't put it in a trash bag because the trash bags aren't recyclable. So you, we just have kind of this pile on our, this corner counter of whether it's a can or, or whatever it would be. And then you go, that's going to be a separate trip to the recycle bin. and all. But, but here's the thing. If I see this as my home, this is, this is such a small example. I'm going to steward this well. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to recycle. If I'm outside and there, and if we plant, like we planted trees, and we planted trees, um, one of the things we had to do is do the best we could to keep those trees alive and to steward them well. Right? Whenever it comes to um, using a ton of paper, one of the reasons that we uh, don't hand out bulletins all the time like we used to, is we don't actually want to waste a ton of paper. And yeah, we used recycled paper, but that's still paper to some degree, so we just said we don't want to overuse these sorts of things. It's just paying attention to those small things, but, but then 
It's even deeper than this. It's a hard issue. The issue of can you see yourself as stewarding everything that God's given you? When we talk about would God go green, we're talking about should Christians be environmentalists, and we're actually saying you need to be someone who takes care of and serves um, the way that creation is supposed to go about. But, but what about all the other things in your life? Finances, your relationships, you are a steward. A steward is saying, I know this is not mine. This is someone else's, so I'm going to steward it well. I'm going to take care of it. It's not easy. And this idea, if you're still stuck on the idea that it says we should rule and have dominion over, I just want to point you to the words that Jesus says when he talks about what it is to have authority on this earth. This is in Mark. Uh, can you throw that scripture up? Mark chapter 10, verse 41. When the 10 other disciples disciples heard what James and John had asked. So just to let you know, James and John are saying, can we sit at your right hand? Can we sit at your left hand? Can we just be the most important disciple? We, you know, like, can, can we do this? And it says, when the other disciples heard what John had asked, they were indignant. So Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. And you're probably at this point going, yeah, that's what rulers do. That's what happens when you rule. That's what happens when you have authority. Like you grow in the capacity of how, or you grow in the amount of people that serve you. He says, but among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must first be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. In, in the kingdom of God, the more authority you have, it means you're growing in your capacity to serve. You're not growing in the amount of people that serve you. So as you find you have more and more dominion and authority, even in the theology of how you interact with creation, you should be growing in your capacity to serve, not in how people serve you. It's really fascinating. Even in my first job, okay? Uh, Jenna, can you come up here? We're going to go ahead and start moving into ministry time here in just a second. Uh, e even in my first job, McDonald's was my first job, okay? You're not allowed to laugh. It was, I was super proud. I was 15 and a half. This is what my dad said. My dad said, hey, how old are you? I said, 15 and a half. And he said, how old do you have to be to work at McDonald's? I said, 15 and a half. He said, great, go get a job at McDonald's. So I did. And I worked there, I think for like two and a half years. And I remember getting promotions. Now, here's what's really fascinating. A pro promotion at McDonald's, you go, does that exist? Can you get a promotion at McDonald's? You can. There is a bottom of the barrel, and there is a top of the barrel. And I went in at the bottom of the barrel, making McFlurries all the time or whatever, you know, just running, running around hoping I don't slip because I couldn't afford the black shoes that don't slip. So I just, I just hoped I didn't slip. And then I heard, hey, you're going to get a promotion. Where am I going to go? You're going to the drive through window. Oh, yeah. I'm a presenter, baby. And so I would be at the drive-thru window with my headset on, holding down the A button to talk to the customer at the drive-thru, holding down the B button to give orders to the back. Okay, that's what I would do. So I'd go, oh, yeah, that would be $20. And then the B button, make two burgers, and, and I'd just give orders. You know, and, and if it's possible to feel like you are, like, in control of, of like, McDonald's, I had that job. And then they go, we're going to give you another promotion. And I go, I don't know what's above this, but let's go. They said, you're going to make the burgers. Make the, I'm going to like flip the burgers. And by the way, this is what gave me ac acne, okay? Whenever I was like in high school, all that grease flying over my face. But I don't care. I was getting paid, you know. 
10 cents more. So I'm making the burgers. I'm flipping the burgers. And I remember just going, man, I'm getting all these promotions. It doesn't reflect at all on my pay. And my, when I tell people I work at McDonald's, it's not like I can be like, but I'm a burger flipper, if that makes any difference to you. But th with the promotion, there was actually more and more authority over each person because the burger flipper was in charge of all the other things that went into, like, the grease, okay? Don't act like you don't know what they put it in. It's deep grease, okay? I was in charge of, like, why are the fries not on time? Okay, come on. Like, like get your fry game together, right? Why are, why are the chicken nuggets? Why do you have chicken nuggets? It's a 20-piece. You put 15 pieces in there. You can't dip them, okay? There, there's, this is me. The more I grew in my, like, uh, the more authority I got, then the more I'm like, these people serve me <laughs> at McDonald's. I'm like, I reached the top. And then you get another job and you realize, no, you were still at the bottom at the top, you know? And I tell you all that to say this. I don't think there's a better position in the kingdom of God than for God to call you a servant, than for God to say, I give you this to rule over. I give you this to care for. In the kingdom of God, the highest position you can have is that of a servant. We just saw this. Like Jesus said, I came to serve and not be served. And then elsewhere he says, you're not going to be greater than your master. You, you know, you won't, you won't do more than your master. So the best job description you can ever have in terms of your relationship with creation is that of a servant that tends to and is mindful of and takes care of and acknowledges problems. It doesn't write it off because this is your home. This is your home. This is your home. And God is showing up in your home. And sometimes the things we do to creation don't make God look all that beautiful. So I understand when I'm downtown and there's another high-rise going up and there's someone who says, I've lived in this apartment for 20 years and I've always watched the sun come up and now they're putting something to obstruct my view. I understand that. I understand that's going to be frustrating because God's showing up in the morning for you. He's showing up for you. I understand these things. And I, I would ask you, consider, consider if this is all God's creation and you were given authority, how could you start to step into this? How can you start to step into a role that you say, I care for, I care about this world? Let's stand. Can we stand together? Here's what we're going to do. If you're um, here and you start to say, I, I, I feel like I should steward better. This, this topic is actually on stewardship. The specificness of it is in the environment and the world around us. But if you say, I need to steward better. I, I take advantage of people and I think they should serve me. It's a stewardship issue. It's going to be hard for you to live in right relationship with creation if you're not in right relationship with, like, a human being. If you're, if you're here and you go, I, I, I abuse that power. I rule over people. Even in your work, you may be promoted. You may be CEO. You may be the owner and founder. You may do these things. In the kingdom of God, it's not that they serve you. It's that you serve them. So the higher up you go, the more your capacity to serve grows. So if you say, I, don't, I need a steward better, in general, the things that God's given me. We're going to seek prayer for that. That's going to be the call to prayer tonight. You can take communion in the back, and when you take communion, if you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to remember the words of Jesus. I came to serve and not be served. He came so that you could take his blood and his body in place of where you should have died.
he stewarded well his relationship with you because he just served you until you until he died. And then you can also just sing if you want to stand and reflect and sing. But what I want to acknowledge is this. All of creation, yes, environmental issues, this is a really big deal. You need to acknowledge that. But all of creation, there's a way to like be in right relation with all creation if you are walking with Jesus. And secondly, you're operating as a steward, a steward of what is God has given you. So he said, I give this all to you and it is actually an act of worship when you take these things seriously. So I'm gonna pray for us and then I'm gonna to move to the side for prayer if you'd like prayer, if you'd like to take communion and then we'll go ahead and close. So Father, what a beautiful thing it must have been when you created the world. What a beautiful thing it must have been when you um, showed your power and your love and the way that you created the world. And I think all of us have memories of what it's like to see something or to hear something or to be out in the open and experience your love in a fantastic way, but then, Lord, we lose that. Help us to know an act of worship to you is to steward this earth well, steward our relationships well, to not abuse the power that you've given us. Thank you for trusting us. And God, I just pray, help us to do um, our chores better as your children. So Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts in all different ways. May we be honest in how we seek prayer, in communion and worship. In Jesus' name.